Welcome to the Sufi Reverberations Podcast, where each week, God willing, you will be able to hear a poem, a story, a meditation, and a musical interlude that give expression to one Sufi's perspective concerning the mystical dimension of Islam. My name is Anab Whitehouse, and I will be your host. Although I am not a sheikh, nonetheless I did have the opportunity to spend 16 years in the company of a Sufi saint of the 20th century and by the grace of God, was able to gain a few insights into the nature of the Sufi mystical path through that association. So, without further delay, let's proceed to the essential contents of this episode. The following poem is from the Mathnawi of Maulana Jalaluddin Muhammad Rumi, translated and abridged by E. H. Winfield. Hearken to the reed flute how it complains, lamenting its banishment from its home. Ever since they tore me from my oisier bed, my plaintive notes have moved men and women to tears. I burst my breast striving to give vent to sighs and to express the pangs of my yearning for my home. He who abides far away from his home is ever longing for the day he shall return. My wailing is heard in every throng, in concert with them that rejoice in them that weep. Each interprets my notes in harmony with his own feelings, but not one fathoms the secrets of my heart. My secrets are not alien from my plaintive notes, yet they are not manifest the sensual eye and ear. Body is not veiled from soul, neither soul from body, yet no man hath ever seen a soul. This plane of the flute is fire, not mere air. Let him who lacks this fire be accounted dead. Tis the fire of love that inspires the flute. Tis the ferment of love that possesses the wine. The flute is the confidant of all unhappy lovers. Yea, its strains lay bare my inmost secrets. Who hath seen a poison and an antidote like the flute? Who hath seen a sympathetic consoler like the flute? The flute tells the tale of love's blood-stained path. It recounts the story of Majnun's love toils. None is privy to those feelings save one distracted, as ear inclines to the whispers of the tongue. Through grief my days are as labor and sorrow. My days move on hand in hand with anguish. Yet through my days vanish thus, tis no matter. Do thou abide, O incomparable pure one? But all who are not fishes are soon tired of water. And they who lack daily bread find the day very long. So the raw comprehend not the state of the ripe. Therefore it behooves me to shorten my discourse. Arise, O sun, burst thy bonds and be free. How long wilt thou be captive to silver and gold? 
Though thou pour the ocean into thy pitcher, it can hold no more than one day's store. The pitcher of the desire of the covetous never fills. The oyster shell fills not with pearls till it is content. Only he whose garment is rent by the violence of love is wholly pure from covetousness and sin. Hail to thee then, O love, sweet madness, thou who healest all our infirmities, who art the physician of our pride and self-conceit, who art our Plato and our Galen. Love exalts our earthly bodies to heaven and makes the very hills to dance with joy. O lover, t'was love that gave life to Mount Sinai when it quaked and Moses fell down in a swoon. Did my beloved only touch me with his lips? I too, like the flute, would burst out in melody. But he who is parted from them that speak his tongue, though he possess a hundred voices, is perforce dumb. When the rose has faded and the garden is withered, the song of the nightingale is no longer to be heard. The beloved is all in all. The lover only veils him. The beloved is all that lives. The lover is a dead thing. When the lover feels no longer love's quickening, he becomes like a bird who has lost its wings. Alas, how can I retain my sense about me? When the beloved shows not the light of God's countenance, love desires that this secret should be revealed. For if a mirror reflects not, of what use is it? Knowest thou why thy mirror reflects not? Because the rust has not been scoured from its face. If it were purified from all rust and defilement, it would reflect the shining of God's sun. O friends, ye have now heard this tale, which sets forth the very essence of my case. title of today's short story is No Time. The man rushed into the spiritual center and approached the several members who already had gathered in preparation for the evening's program. Have you heard of the latest about the so-called teacher Nate Williams over on the other side of town? He asked with breathless exhilaration. The man's question was met with silent interest and unspoken encouragement through the body language of the other members. He took a seat, ran his fingers through his hair in a combing fashion, and expanded further on his news. Well, it seems he's in a real pickle. Apparently there are some questions being asked about his use of discretionary funds. One is hearing the phrase, misappropriation of funds, sung all over there quite a lot these days. Can you imagine it? The guy has a gall to try to pass himself off as a spiritual guide, but in reality... He may be fleecing the flock instead of leading them into the pastures of righteousness. He shook his head as if he found the whole situation to be an incredible irony. The man has the audacity to claim he has taken an oath of poverty. What he doesn't say is that his oath seems to involve relieving others of their money so they become poor rather than him. One of the other members of the small group added, From what I have heard, the funny business surrounding the center's finances is only the tip of the iceberg, which has ripped their ship apart. She looked briefly at each of the others, got the equivalent of a thumbs up via their expressions, and proceeded to say, 
A friend of mine, who is close to one of the members at that center, says there have been quite a few stories floating about concerning sexual misconduct as well. The excitement of the hunt was written on her features as she recounted what she had been told. She noted, although no children, thank God, are involved, apparently a lot of hanky-panky has been going on during quote-unquote special teaching sessions, if you get my drift, in which apparently union with the beloved has become a code for something else. I don't think it stops there, chipped in another man. I've heard this Williams guy spends a lot of time drinking at a tavern downtown, and then once the bars close, he heads off to some speakeasy or other for a night of excesses. I guess the only thing he keeps a night vigil for is to determine whether his glass is empty or full. A real drunk, if you ask me. Another woman joined in the discussion. I've talked with some of the parents at that center. They don't seem to be very pleased with the educational programs which Williams has put in place. The guy keeps saying things like, one has to talk to people according to their level of understanding. But the parents are beginning to think the fellow is just a flim-flam artist. They want results. And he just keeps stalling them with a lot of hocus-pocus about how the journey is long, difficult struggle, with many ups and downs. As a small group was reflecting on all that had been said, another person walked into the room. She greeted everyone and took a seat near them. The newcomer inquired about what was going on, and she was brought up to date. When she was up to speed, one of the people in the group asked her what she thought about the entire mess at the other center. The woman pursed her lips, raised her eyebrows, and then sighed. I guess there are a few things which can be said. First, I understand some of the people in that center have been saying similar things about our own teacher. Secondly, I really don't know what the truth of the matter is when it comes to what their teacher may or may not be doing. But I do know I love and trust our spiritual guide, and he has told me not to go sniffing out the sins of other people, as well as a warning concerning the vulnerability of people who live in fragile houses or some such thing. In fact, I'm so busy with thinking about and trying to apply the teachings of my own guide as well as with constantly seeking to remember God that, quite frankly, I really have no time to think about Nate Williams. The following musical interlude is called Starlight.
from deep within the mysteries of the ancient rainforest along the Amazon River Basin, you are listening to the Sufi Reverberations Podcast. This week's meditative essay is entitled, Prayer. Prayer has its roots in pre-eternity when the fixed forms of non-existence called out to God to be given created existence. Prayer permeates the realms of spirits in pre-eternity when they responded positively to God's inquiry as to whether or not the spirits acknowledge God as their Lord. The sound of prayers praising God comes from every corner of created existence, from the smallest subatomic particle, and even smaller, to the universe and beyond. Every manner of created being has its own unique mode of prayer. Angels were engaged in prayer before human beings came into created existence. Indeed, there are some angels so engrossed in prayers of praise and glorification of God, they are not aware human beings have been created. Prayer was on the lips of Adam, peace be upon him, when he sought God's forgiveness for his transgression. Prayers seeking divine guidance, support, deliverance, protection, favor, mercy, and compassion have issued forth from the lips of all 124,000 prophets in their communities who followed after Adam, peace be upon him. Saints and ordinary people alike engage in prayer. Each praises God or seeks from divinity according to her or his spiritual understanding, condition, intention, and circumstances. If one sincerely has faith in the reality of prayer, every manner of prayer raises one up to God. If one is absent to oneself in prayer, one becomes present to God. Some prayers petition God for the satisfaction of material desires. Other prayers seek intercession on behalf of the poor, the sick, the homeless, the lost, the abused, and the wayward. There are prayers for forgiveness and prayers of thanksgiving. There are prayers of loneliness and prayers of desperation. Some people pray and ask why. Others pray and submit without knowing why. There are prayers of separation, there are prayers of union. Some people pray with certainty, others pray with doubts and questions. There are prayers of the true self, there are prayers of the false self. Some individuals pray frequently, others may pray only a few times in their lives. Prayers are silent, invoiced, hymned, enchanted. Prayers come standing, sitting, kneeling, lying down, and in prostration. On the Sufi path, different prayers may emerge from different spiritual stations. For example, the prayers of those who are going through the station of patience may be different from the prayers of those who are in the station of gratitude. Alternatively, the prayers of those who are wayfaring through the station of longing may be different from those who are in the station of seeking forgiveness. Mind prays in one way, the heart prays in yet another way. The spirit prays in still another way, and so on. Each aspect of our being has its own modality of praying. However, the best prayer is when all of these are combined together in a harmonious and united manner. In other words, one's prayer should be with one's whole body, mind, soul, heart, spirit, and essential capacity.
According to practitioners of the Sufi path, we should seek to pray with sincerity and for sincerity. Moreover, we should pray out of humility. We should pray with the realization we are impoverished and have no resources of our own. We are dependent totally on God's mercy. We should pray with the understanding there is no power or protection except through God. If we lack such an understanding, we should pray to God to remove our pride and arrogance. Sufi masters indicate an individual should pray with tears of longing and gratitude and joy and repentance. If we cannot pray in this way, then we should seek this blessing from God. In addition, we should pray out of renunciation of the world. In other words, all of our prayers should be out of love for, service to, and in the pleasure of God. From the perspective of the Sufi masters, we should pray without ceasing. Our lives should become prayer. Our prayers should be done with the understanding that God is the trustee of all of our affairs. Furthermore, God is the one who again and again and again gives to us independently of whether we have done anything to earn or merit that for which we pray. Sufi masters maintain we should be constantly seeking the welfare of our parents. Moreover, we should pray for others to receive what we are seeking for ourselves. We should pray for both believers and non-believers. We should pray for, to be free of passing judgments on others. Practitioners of the Sufi path indicate we should pray for the spirits of those who have passed before us. Furthermore, we should pray for the spirits of those who will come after us. We should pray for the spiritual and material well-being of our families and the members of the community. We should pray for the well-being of the people of all nations and for the well-being of all creation. Sufi masters indicate we should pray for God to enable us not to waste the precious gift of time. We should pray that, God willing, we do not squander our opportunity to realize our true identity. We should pray to fulfill the purpose of our life. We should pray to God to show us things as they really are. We should seek release from our illusions, delusions, and spiritual veils. According to practitioners of the Sufi path, we should pray that whatever enemies we may have become the friends of God. For if they become the friends of God, then God willing, they may become a source of blessings for all of humanity, including us. We should pray our hearts become purified. We should pray our spirits become perfected. Sufi masters advocate we pray that God permit us to overcome our spiritual weaknesses, rebelliousness, forgetfulness, and heedlessness. Furthermore, we should pray for God to forgive us our transgressions of omission and commission, both in relation to those transgressions of which we are aware, as well as those of which we are not aware. We should pray for God to increase us in remembrance of divinity. Moreover, we should pray for God to color us with the lights of divinity. The masters of the Sufi way urge us to pray to God in a condition of full dependence on divinity. We should never despair of God's mercy and generosity. On the other hand, we should pray to God for patience while our affairs are being arranged in accordance with divine will. We also should pray to God for submission and acceptance with respect to the divine disposition of our affairs. 
According to Sufi masters, we should pray that God fills our being with love of divinity. Furthermore, we should pray that God permits us to express our love by, among other things, fulfilling our duties of care in relation to creation. We should pray to God for us to become instruments of justice and not injustice. In addition, we should pray to God that we live a life of spiritual nobility and not ignominy. Sufi masters encourage us to pray for God to increase us in levels of faith and spiritual understanding. Also, we should pray to God to be permitted to learn how to embrace sacrifice as a way of life so that we may, God willing, act in accordance with our spiritual understanding. We should pray for God to teach us how to derive spiritual benefit from the trials and difficulties of our lives. Moreover, we should pray to God with gratitude for the countless blessings which have been conferred on us throughout our lives. We should pray we come to worship and cherish God with every dimension of our being. In addition, we should pray that we return to our spiritual origins both pleased with and pleasing to God. The Sufi master of all Sufi masters has said we should pray to God as if we could see the divine. However, even if we are not able to achieve this level of prayer, nonetheless, we should pray with the certainty that God sees us. You have been listening to the Sufi Reverberations podcast. I hope you will join me next week for a new episode of this program. May peace be your companion. Thank you.